0: Megan McCain has entered the chat. Welcome back to Megan McCain has entered the chat. So I'm here, obviously, like I am every day with my executive producer, Miranda Wilkins. So Miranda, when we started this podcast, we had a list of people we want to interview. And crazily enough, quite a few of them are coming on. And one of those people was Congressman George Santos, because he is a very controversial household name in politics. And we just asked our producer, Kara, to reach out to his team, and he said yes. As I mentioned in the announcement of my podcast, my goal here is to offer a safe environment for people of all backgrounds. While I may not agree with everything they say here or have done, I believe that they should have the opportunity to share their side of the story. Plenty of reputable reporters and publications have interviewed controversial elected officials and even those with charges against them. I plan to do the same, so we as listeners have the chance to make our own choices on how we view them. Thank you. Welcome back. I'm just going to get into it. Congressman George Santos, when I was launching this podcast with Miranda, who you've met, we made a list of gets of people we really wanted to have on the show just because we thought they were really fascinating people in politics and culture. And you were on the list because we're all just so interested in your career and you have really fascinating viral moments like one that just happened recently. So I just want to thank you for coming today. Absolutely. I mean
1: the invitation came and we were excited. I was like, Wait, Megan McCain is doing <laughs> something <laughs> And Gabrielle from my team goes like Yeah I'm like, Do you know who Megan McCain is? She's like, Maybe I said that's John McCain's daughter. And she's like, oh, the one that was on The View. And then we had that moment. She's like, oh, my God. I'm like, yeah, no. She's Is she doing this alone or is there an element of whoopie and joy here? Because I wouldn't come <laughs> if there was that element.
0: So. It's just me. Have you been asked on The View? <laughs> uh,
1: Multiple times. And it's funny that they de- – when we – Troll them and said, We will not come on your show. Uh, they said they never invited us, so we went ahead and just posted the invitations. To-
0: oh my gosh, that's so funny. <laughs> that's such a good dig. Oh my gosh, that's so funny. Well, I'm very happy you're here because I think, like I said, you are such a fascinating person. One of the things though is people, I feel like there's a lot of misconceptions about you and people don't really know you. So I just want to know first and foremost, why politics? Why did you run for Congress?
1: I'll tell you, I never had interest in running for office. Until 2018, when I saw our most famous bartender get elected in New York City, I said, wait, if she can do this, I can do this too. (laughs) And I was equally mad with what was going on. AOC inspired you? Oh, absolutely. I give her all the credit in the world because I I always looked at politics as if you're not in that inner circle, forget breaking it. I would always say, if if your last name's not Bush, McCain, uh, Kennedy, good luck getting into it. And it wasn't really a a derogatory opinion. It was just like a factual. Opinion of what I understood politics to be. So when I saw, I joke and say, Jenny from the block get (laughs) elected, I'm like, wait, wait, this is a little interesting here. And I doubled down on my activism. I was always very pro-politics. Growing up as a little kid, my Aunt Victoria would make me rehearse. Who's the mayor? Giuliani. Who's the governor? George Pataki. And you're
0: from Long Island.
1: Right? Uh, no, I'm from Queens. Queens. Okay. Right. Well, Queens, Long Island, same thing. Right. Okay. If you look at the map. So she would always put this in, in me. She'd make me stand up for the pledge. And she was, she's a political junkie in her own right. So it, she kind of made me like politics, but I never thought I'd be an elected official. And alas, here we are. Uh-huh. <laughs> but the the motivation to come here was I just really wanted to advocate for things I didn't see people advocating for. And look, I'm a stickler. I'm obsessed with clean water and water rights. And that's the bulk of what I try to do in Congress right now because of the water quality issues we suffer on Long Island. Nobody talks about that. Mm-hmm. And and that's something that you, you would oddly always find consistency in the more left side of politics. And here I am, a staunch conservative that believes in water rights and water quality and and did stuff that really make me tick. But what the catalyst to making me want to run for office was the lack of access to a public official. I feel like they all get elected and they think that they're now sitting on a throne with pointy white hats Mm -hmm. and they're saints. You can't Mm -hmm. touch them. My cell phone is out there. My phone rings and I printed 10,000 campaign cards with my face and my cell phone on there. It's the same phone number I've had for 14 years. (laughs) So you can imagine. So people just can call
0: you up on the phone? They can. Like, Mm -hmm. my
1: constituents just call me. They tell me how they feel. And I love that. I I love having that dynamic. I jump on Twitter spaces when most politicians refuse to because... Do we misspeak sometimes? Do we sometimes say things that are maybe a little stupid and you got to revisit and evolve from that point? Sure. But I'm not scared of showing the vulnerability that the human being has. We're not perfect. We Mm -hmm. all make mistakes. We're all learning as we go in here. Mm -hmm. Nobody in Congress knows everything.
0: You're also the first out Republican member of Congress. Yes. Out and proud. Um, What has that experience been like? Because, you know, the Republican Party can sometimes have – issues, I think, in the very distant past with homophobia, but I've actually found uh, politics in general on both sides can have that. Have you experienced any of that?
1: Never. I, I never. Mean, and the funniest joke was, we have our new member pin for this class. It's just neon green and gold. It's hideous.
0: Okay. <laughs> <laughs>
1: so Matt Gates and a couple of other members of Congress, when I got elected, like, finally, we have a gay that can be part of the design committee. <laughs> so it was welcome, uh-huh. for sure. And I'd love to design it because I'd never put that neon green there. So
0: <laughs> That's so So funny. So you haven't any place at all?
1: The only time I've ever experienced any kind of rejection and homophobia-like was New York City. It was easier coming out as a gay man in my 20s in New York City than it was coming out a conservative.
0: Caitlyn Jenner says it was easier to come out as trans than as a conservative. 100%. Which is... A fascinating statement. And I love Caitlyn. Well, I, I also have to ask you because you just made so much news, rightfully so, yelling at some protesters, the pro Hamas protesters, I guess, were coming at you, and everyone just wants to know whose baby you are holding, <laughs> and you know what came over you emotionally. Which I, I'm someone who is very emotional and very like loud in my opinion, so I get it. But what happened? So
1: somebody brings in a baby for me to meet into the office. I love kids. I mean, this is a child I we had put together as an office to give them a baby shower gift and all of that stuff That's and nice. I, I love kids I, I have my niece chloe who's five years old and she's the love of my life they bring in the baby for me to meet we're taking a break between all the insane conference meetings so we can go back and do a second ballot on jim jordan when he had just beat austin scott so i'm like oh my god do you mind if i bring this baby across the hall to congressman tim birch he loves kids the reasoning is Just a week earlier, Lauren Boebert had bought in her grandson and we were like all fawning over Uh him and Tim Burchett just had this baby and this baby loved Tim. I'm like, we got to take this baby for Uh Tim Burchett to bless him, like (laughs) jokingly. And he's literally across the hall from me. We opened the door, nothing happening in the hallway. As I get to the front door of Tim Burchett. Coming around the corner, Speaker McCarthy, with a tail, as you can imagine. This guy goes from Speaker McCarthy and engages with me, pins me up against the wall, yelling and shouting. And I'm like, "Dude, I have a baby!" Like, mm-hmm. what do you? The emotion was, I'm carrying somebody's entire world in my hand. The responsibility, the the sense of i was powerless mm-hmm. and and i had a lot of responsibility and i got very nervous very scared i'm not afraid to say i cried of of of, of anxiety in in tim Burchett's office i'm like okay let me recollect myself together gave this baby back to his parents yeah and i said now i'm gonna go find this son of a bitch and excuse my language, <laughs> sorry <No. laughs> and i was just like are you kidding like yeah. he, like spewing pro hamas i mean look I care about life. I'm pro-life. I'm consistent with it. I'm pro-life when it comes to abortion, but I'm also pro-life when it comes to the death penalty. So that means I'm pro-life and I'm consistent. I don't want to see people die. War is ugly. But you can't come in here and try to blame Israel for defending themselves mm-hmm. from terrorism. Mm-hmm. I mean, they didn't have to start this. It's it's a great old saying, and I can't remember for the life of me who said it, but you only vote tyranny in once. Mm -hmm. And the Palestinians voted for Hamas. They only got to do it once. But that was their choice. They knew what they were doing. And here we are. I wasn't going to stand for it. So in a very embarrassing in some way (laughs) moment, I let that New York energy come out. Uh And I guess everybody knows what happens when you can push me to the – because I'm very – mild mannered it's really hard I think you can talk to my staff openly they'll tell you I've barely ever had one of the you know the famous oh this member is a diva they have I think it's happened once or twice with like very annoying things but this was the first time publicly that I, I lashed out in a way where like my emotions took over and I couldn't I could not make uh mends with it but I, I Look, I apologize to those who know me and know that that's not how I conduct myself, but I'm not going to make apologies for standing up for Israel and what I believe in.
0: I think that's totally justified, and I think putting the context that you had a baby in your arms is – valid. It's easy to I'm jump
1: like, to cuts and just make it look like I'm I screaming just saw, crazy. I when it was
0: a friend texted me and it was just you screaming and I was like, "I wonder what happened." Like, and I was like, "Well, if he's yelling about Hamas, I mean, keep that energy, guys, because <laughs> I'm super pro Israel too." So, you know, you know, you have you become a household name though, because not every congressperson walking through the halls, the tale of Speaker McCarthy's press pool is going to care. You've gone from being an unknown to like I said a, a household name everywhere. How has that been for you and your family? And I understand you are married, correct? Yes, I am. How has that been for your husband? He
1: struggles with it. We enjoyed our privacy so much, and we didn't realize this would happen. I didn't come here seeking spotlights or anything. I know a lot of people like to say, oh, he just wanted to be famous. It's not true. If I wanted to be famous, I could have done a whole lot of more crazier things in New York City. <laughs> that would have probably gotten me attention.
0: <laughs> well, you're good with media, too, so you could have gone into media. I,
1: whatever the case is, right? But the way I looked at it was I want to come here do my job. And then, obviously, everything fell apart on me. And there's this obsession. I mean, they talk about my jewelry. They talk about my clothes. I've had reporters send questions about, what is your skincare routine? I'm like, holy <laughs> crap. <laughs> and then I literally said, I spread La Mer on my toast in the morning, if that helps. You it. use le I do. That's what my mother uses. It's so good.
0: <laughs> it's <the best. laughs> it's so- well, sorry to be like that person asking about it. But oh,
1: yeah. no. It t- you're the first person I tell it to. Uh-huh. Nobody's ever gotten the answer. Oh, Oh my God, I'm yeah, no, so, so, like, I I use La Mer. Yeah, I've mm-hmm. I've used. Both. You have beautiful skin. Not I, to it, mean. It, it's it could it could be better, but I've been very stressed, so I'm breaking out. But the reality is, I've been using Botox since I'm 25 years old. I'm not really. Gonna, I won't lie about it. I've been 25
0: using, is young to start. Well,
1: the doctor at the time said you can prevent aging by starting young and use it as a preventative method and it's worked wonders i'm look i'm 35 i feel like i'm okay for 35 i use fillers and i don't lie about it mm-hmm. I, i'm okay with talking about it because i think people if they're trying to achieve certain standards hey th- oh, this yeah. is what it takes it's so futile to even talk about these things but i think nobody ever this is
0: a fun podcast too I, yeah. <laughs> there you go
1: <laughs> so I, I look at it this way you can be a uh, Absolute disconnected person from the American people, or you can choose to connect with the American people. I go on these Twitter spaces and I talk about things that people disagree all um, the time.
0: When people ask you about your personal life, your husband—it was when I did a lot of research on you beforehand. It's noted that you guys don't do public events together, no. and you—he didn't campaign with you. Is he just like this is just too much for me, and I need to be private, or is it like you know, there's probably a lot of trauma involved with seeing that your husband attacked as much as you are.
1: He campaigned with me a little bit. I Mm -hmm. mean, he was out there. He helped. Can I ask his name? Yeah, Matt. Matt. Which is short for Matheus, which is the Latin, European version of Matthew. He... He did campaign with me, but also he has his own life and I don't want my life to take over his. That's why there's that disconnect. But he's done some public events. He came for orientation. There's been pictures of us in the media. You know, we got married back in 2021 and it was kind of known I was married, right? Coming into the whole fold. And I do a condolence post for Dianne Feinstein, which I admired her. I disagreed with her on policy, but her story. It's just like you can't disregard Dianne Feinstein. You can't disregard Ruth Bader Ginsburg. They were trailblazers in their time. And look, if I allow politics to drive my opinion on everybody, it's such a sad state of affairs that the country is going to fall into. I agree. So – um so I you put did, a
0: post up about Diane Feinstein. I did, and mm-hmm. then I said
1: my husband Matt and I want to wish the Feinstein family whatever the, the post was. People said, Oh no, not George Santos, hard launching a husband. I'm like, wait, we've been married for almost two years. I'm not hard launching anybody.
0: How did people not, not I mean I feel Some like Some people you're not
1: didn't can... know I was gay? I was like, What? <laughs>
0: okay. All right. I mean, it, was th- it was a big thing when you were elected because you're the first openly yeah. gay Republican. It was the so. first
1: race between the two candidates, right? openly gay both myself and my opponent Robert Zimmerman we it was wildly reported quite frankly the race only got any attention because of the historic nature of that but does
0: he stay at home in your district while you are here so
1: he's been staying with me he's coming back and forth we've been going through some stuff on safety so I'm keeping him close to the vest right now so uh, it's been a little disruptive but until we feel it's safe for me to be here and him be there he's been kind of on my schedule for the last couple of months. Do you want children? We do. It was always a plan. But now I think about it this way. If I have kids, there's so many negatives already for this poor child, right? Uh, A, you have two dads. That's Mm -hmm. still going to be – there's still taboo around that for years to come. That's number one. Number two, let's say we adopt one. With everything about me out there, I don't know how a child – can bear all the insanity that could come from that, right? And I know that for instance, you're a child of a public mm-hmm. figure. I don't know how that was for you, but your dad didn't have what I have out there, you know. So it's it's very different for me. So I, I this is now a part of considering if I do get to have a child or not because it's it's something it's we It's very sad. It's it's definitely something we consider and, and Matt really wants to have kids. So it's how did you guys meet? Uh <laughs> You know, I, I never, ever denied how we met. We met on one of those dating apps. <laughs> it,
0: what Was one of those like Grindr? It was Grindr. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, I met
0: my husband on Twitter. So, I mean, it's not that that's weird. much better yeah. than Grindr. <laughs> I mean, you're not the first person I know that has met their husband on Grindr yeah, or whatever it's, that's it's worth. so bad. <laughs> and then I assume you just like started dating and yeah. how long were you together before you... Um we got married.
1: So we've been together in a total of five years and we were three years together before we got married. So but mm. we moved in with each other a year into it. So That's wonderful. Pretty cool.
0: I have to ask you, your signature sweater and glasses look. When you pick out your wardrobe, did you know you were gonna have this signature look with your sweater and glasses? I've
1: been so the glasses, funny enough, I'm not wearing it today because I'm doing the podcast and I didn't <laughs> know if there was gonna be glare on it. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, let's not put the glasses on but that frame of Ray-Bans it's the Justin frames I've been wearing that for the last 10 years okay. same frame same exact frame I just swapped one out for a new one different colors I've I've done different variations of it throughout the years and the sweater look it's just been my thing I've always worn it and your whole life like I want to say my whole professional adult life. Okay. Yeah, it's not not childhood, but you know, I, I definitely went through the variations of wardrobe and what was in, what was not. But it turned out to be the iconic George Santos look. But I didn't make this look. I think politicians way before me made this look. Yeah. I did it for simple reason. I'm a big dude, and I've fluctuated in weight throughout the years. And the sweaters really hide the button stress.
0: <laughs> well, I'm a total fluctuator too. So
1: I, I look. I I lost. In January... 2022 i weighed myself in at 350 pounds and i said no mm-hmm. this has to change and then december of 2022 i weighed myself in before the new year rang in and i was 251 pounds oh, that's fantastic 99 pounds how in did a you do year. that diet exercise i also was diagnosed as pre-diabetic and i had to go on a drug to lower my a1c and a lot of folks it was- yes it was
0: totally
1: helped and then
0: it's helped a lot of people
1: I think the FDA should really consider looking into it and seeing an option for it for weight loss because obesity is the number one cause of death in this country. We suffer with over 50% of the population being overweight. And if there is a drug out there that can fix that, I mean, let's not abuse it and take advantage of insurance companies and whatnot. But I think if there is a significant benefit to lowering causes of death that originate from obesity, Yeah, I think the FDA should really take a, start, a it, hard look at this. I
0: read also that it helps with alcoholism. With, it with helps addiction. with a lot
1: of addictive markers. Uh, look, I'm not an expert on it, but I know one thing. I went on it.
0: Are you still on it?
1: I, I'm still on it. I'm uh-huh. going to be on it for life just because of my A1C. Oh, because you have diabetes. I, 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 not, pre-diabetes? Pre- pre-diabetes. Excuse me, I'm sorry. Yeah, so yeah. my A1C can go higher. So I, we need to keep it under six. right? Sure. So that's that's what I've been doing. And it's fantastic. I love it. The reality about it is is for everybody, and, and I'm a big advocate for diabetes, by the way. I think it's a disease that we should not be arguing oh, who yeah. pays for what. Insulin shouldn't really be on the table. Insulin should be free. But oh, you
0: think insulin should be
1: free? 100% because I think-
0: the Like co- government mandated.
1: Not even government mandated. I'll put it this way. I believe that Big Pharma makes a killing off of Americans. Big Pharma receives millions and millions of R&D dollars, and the least they can do is subsidize the cheapest drug on the market to make, which is insulin after aspirin. So there's no reason insulin should be astronomically expensive. You know, I've
0: got to tell you, I have a niece who is in college and she is very worried about, it's a long story, but she might be going off her parents' health care and she is very worried about how much insulin costs, for whatever that's worth in this conversation. Well, so,
1: Your niece shouldn't be worried about that because I think, look, President Biden did the cap on $35 for Medicaid, Medicare. That's great. But I think we have to have a national cap on insulin. It's a life-saving drug. People die. Oh, yeah. It's serious. You die if you don't take your insulin, and, yeah. and it's a death that could have been avoided, mm-hmm. right? So it's immoral that we allow pharmaceutical companies to run rampant and doing what they do, especially when they go into the PBM, the world of PBM, the pharmaceutical benefit managers. It's such a scam. It's mm-hmm. it's just really out there to hurt Americans mm-hmm. in general, and it hurts you. It doesn't matter if you're a Republican or a Democrat. It hurts you equally. So this is an issue that we all should come together to, to Who to has
0: solve. been the most willing— to work with you and been the most bipartisan or just on the Republican side, who has been the most open-minded to working with you?
1: Look, I work well with members in my party. Obviously, there's a band of like eight that they're super critical of me Mm -hmm. and it's mainly political because Mm -hmm. I was their donor Mm -hmm. (laughs) in in an instance, I guess. To them, it's politically expedient to distance themselves from me. So by hammering me the way they do every day is beneficial in their own way. I think it, it gives it more oxygen. But I work well within the conference. I work well with the I, Do you have
0: like friends, like besties, or I just have friends people look, you feel like you can rely on?
1: I have people who have had my back, okay, undoubtedly. I don't like giving names because don't worry, you don't have to. Say I, I'll though. put it this way: even Democrats. I have Democrats. I'm texting with back and forth that I have good relationships. I get letters from. I send letters to. I'll give you a very brief moment of how I don't care about parties, and I'm more of a human content type person. Mm-hmm. Dan Goldman, one of my biggest critics.
0: And for people who don't know who that is.
1: He's a Democrat congressman from Manhattan, 10th, I think, congressional district in New York City. We're as far removed as we can be from one another. He's a freshman. I'm a freshman. He's famously known as being one of the impeachment attorneys for the Democrats back in the first impeachment on President Trump. He was in Israel when Hamas attacked Israel, Mm -hmm. and him and Cory Booker were both there. I don't have a reason to send a letter to the senator, but I did send a letter to my colleague and to his office, wishing him well. I was... Relief to know that he was back stateside and relief to know him and his family were safe. That doesn't cost me anything. I'm not doing it to gain political points, right? And I'm sharing this with you because I, I usually wouldn't share this anywhere. I just want to gauge her. It, he thanked me for that. And we're totally not friends. Mm-hmm. It made me think highly of his ability to come and say thank you because. It's so hard for some people to break out of that shell and to stay in that partisan world. It's not worth it. He's a human being. He's in my team, whether and when I say team, he's in team USA. Something happens to him, I'll be pissed. Sure. I say this about every single member of that body. We can all have our petty grievances politically, but when we're talking you guys getting hurt, I will throw my hand on a blade for any one of my colleagues. That's how it should be. We're uh-huh. team USA. We all want this country to succeed, but we might just have different ways we want to go about things. But I think we all, at the end of the day, want our country to do better. That's kind of like my MO of how I, I view most of these things.
0: That's really nice. I ha- I was going to ask you, you know, just D.C. I, I actually did grow up in D.C. I grew up in Arizona, but I moved here during COVID and then just stayed. It's a long story. D.C. is tricky. It's tricky for Republicans. Get a dog. <laughs> it, no, it really – and it's tricky socially. I just got yelled at yesterday for the first time. when I Across from the studio, I was with my friend and these people came up and were screaming that I was a warmonger and my dad was a warmonger. I wanted like the blood of Palestinians on me. Horrible with cameras and stuff. Do you feel like you can socialize in D.C.? Do you hang out? Do you go anywhere? Do you have any fun? Like, are there restaurants you like? Are people nice to you?
1: You see, people are generally nice to me okay. outside of the world of politics. They treat me with respect. I mean, I, I'm a frequent flyer at the Waldorf, which former Trump, I love the staff there. I love going to Le Diplomat, which is my favorite restaurant in DC. I, I see, love that place too. I mean, you see, it's so cliche for a it's reason. So cliche. I know. For all
0: <laughs> but it's really good food. <laughs> it's great food. Uh-huh. It's,
1: it's, it's my favorite for uh-huh. sure. There are favorite restaurants for sure. But I do hang out in DC. My husband and I, when we're here, we we tend to do as many movie nights as possible. We go to movies. People see me, they're like, oh, my God, that's George Santos. I'm like, hi. Uh And you're like... Hi. <laughs> <laughs> there is that interaction. Is there nastiness? Totally. There's this word I've adopted to my vocabulary, which is new, and I call them freakazoids. Okay. I mean, like, I'm walking down a street and people are, like, literally twisting exorcism style their heads around and well, you're a famous their phone. Season. I know, but it's just so, like, it's it's just so bizarre.
0: I'm sure. Well, you're, like, semi newly famous yeah, in the past, you know, so two bizarre. years or so.
1: I'm not famous.
0: I'm, you are. <laughs> I'm going to put the Shia LaBeouf
1: <laughs> brown bag on my head. And my, I'm not famous.
0: <laughs> I forgot about that, that guy. There's a bar in D.C. that some friends of mine own called The Little Gay Pub. And recently Nancy Pelosi went. And I was like, would you ever feel comfortable like going to a gay bar in D.C.? Or do you think people would just be like taking too many selfies? It would just be like a spectacle. Um, and have you been able to go?
1: So I'm not quite – the gay world type of scene guy. Sure. First of all, I believe there's one place in DC I don't hang out in and I always joke about it, but I will not hang out in DuPont Circle. The gays okay. will eat me alive.
0: <laughs> really? <laughs>
1: Absolutely. Really? I'm a gay conservative. It's it's okay. alien to them, right? They Look, I, it's not that I'm anti drag queens. I love drag queens. Hey, I love drag queens so much. When I was 18 years old, guess what I did in carnival? I dressed in drag. <laughs> I
0: wanted to ask you about the photo because you were in Rio, correct? It was just in having Rio. fun. Yes, just having fun. So you know, Katara is like an icon now, right? It's,
1: it's hilarious, and Katara is like a, a one picture one outfit pony.
0: And I'm like, wow. <laughs> but you know that? Have, do you know that the drag queen Meatball did a? I did see the a, video. Did you I like it's it? Hysterical. It's hysterical. My husband right? hates it. Your I husband. Think he
1: hates it. He hates it. Why? He just thinks it's it's a mockery. And I'm like, no, this is hilarious. This is great. This is good content. Oh, I
0: think being impersonated by a drag queen is a
1: it's flattering. lot of honor. I mean, I, I thought it was hilarious. I thought Meatball did a great job. Okay. Like, great job.
0: So <laughs> You only did it ever once.
1: I did that. For, so in in Brazil, when we're in festivals, especially Carnival time,
0: and did you go to Brazil often? Like, is it like a destination you like to just there on vacation? Well, I had
1: I have family there till this day. Oh, okay. So growing up, I would go often to Rio every year, at least once a year, if not twice, which would be you know spring break, the two weeks we would either go then and then we would definitely go for for the uh, holidays got when it we got have it the, but it's funny enough I'd spent summers here okay um, in DC uh, no not here in DC in, in the US in the US but again always something different right but the whole drag accusation was so funny because I watch RuPaul's Drag Race oh, you do I, and I've always been okay talking about it I think drag culture is fun I just don't think it's age appropriate for kids trust me I've gone to gay bars I've seen what they do I just don't think that little kids should be exposed to certain content in drag. Drag culture is adult culture. It's 18 plus, in my opinion, and I think we should keep it that way. There's no way to explain drag to kids, right? But I'm not anti-drag. When people say, oh, DeSantis is don't say gay bill. First of all, it's not written anywhere in that bill to not say gay. Second of all, it's about creating parental rights on what content their kids can see and and have exposure to, it's not a bad thing. I think it's a good thing. And
0: Did you think people were just extra harsh to you because <sighs> you're an out gay man and there were, and again, I don't know that many, I have a lot of gay men in my life, just, for whatever reason, it's like a community that I've had a lot of love in. <laughs> so, for a are long you time. are you
1: what we would um, call a fag hag?
0: <laughs> I mean, I prefer fruit fly. You know what, but you, you know what? I will explain to you, though, how it was explained to me by a famous person that I, who was gay that I don't know if I want to expose him. I'll ask him if I'm allowed to later. But he said you are always the odd person out in so many situations. And a lot of gay people know what that feels
1: like. 100%.
0: So I think that's part of it. And I just find, at least in my life, and I don't like to stereotype because, again, there's just so many different kinds of people, but the gay men in my life have carried me through tragedy in so many different ways on in so many different levels. And I truly believe, look, after my dad died, I went to Palm Springs and, like, partied and was with my friends and obviously with a lot of gay men. And I just think there's, like, for me, a compassion and a bond that I've had with my gay friends for a long time. And I don't know what it is for whatever reason. I've had a lot of gay men in my life and it's wonderful. But I just found when that picture came out, I found like some of the commentary was just so ugly. It was. Because gay men, it's not even just about dressing in drag. It's like about having fun and celebrating. And I just felt like it was, I remember seeing, I think I told you, a video of you at the airport and they they was just so mean.
1: I said it, and I said it when I said it. I said, "Sue me for having fun at a festival." I at the it, age that of eighteen. Like, are, are you you're kidding? TMZ, CNN. I mean, CNN stooped to the lowest lowest of grounds. When what did they, they do? Well, they were the ones there. It was. C- oh, that it, was CNN. It was CNN, ABC. Uh, I called them all out by name. TMZ was there. I expect C- that garbage from TMZ. CNN
0: though. and ABC were the ones following you, asking that. Yeah. We wonder why our news is in the trash. I know. Now. Well, d- no offense. No, I mean, d-
1: don't get me started uh-huh. on on news standards these days because <laughs> everybody's quick to be first, but not accurate. Yeah. And we saw that with the Hamas uh, hospital bombing yeah. because nobody cares about being factually accurate. It's about who is first to report, even yeah. if they have to retract it later, right? Because, God forbid, they miss being first. But um, to to just wrap up on the drag, sure, I, always, I always say this. I've unified Democrats in hating a drag queen.
0: <laughs> oh, I don't want to laugh at that. I'm,
1: but it's sad, sad, but it's funny because they're the champions of drag queens. But yet you can get them all to say the meanest things ever about me in drag at 18 years old.
0: Well, I just felt like it was so we need to celebrate diversity and for me like i just want the republican party to expand in a lot of different ways because i think it's good to have other faces and voices oh, totally agree instead of no disrespect to like the traditional older white cranky male love no them offense, i love totally. them totally. <laughs> like, we celebrate you as well but you know i i thought it was respectfully very sort of shrouded in homophobia
1: oh no totally it was does, does that make sense you know what's funny though Nobody in the Republican conference said one negative thing about that. They laughed it off. They're like, you look great. Like, there was jokes made, obviously, but in good spirit, not, yeah. not these. Look, this is a 17-year-old picture. Yeah. 17 years ago. And it surfaced. I, I had never seen the picture. That's so funny. It's not like I was hiding it or – like nobody ever asked me on the campaign trail, hey, did you ever do drag? Uh I was like, yeah, before in Carnival, sure, no problem. But people keep trying to to say that I I hid this dark – if I were a career drag queen, I was the poorest drag queen in in history. (laughs) Had one outfit. (laughs) I I just
0: felt like it was so – it was, again, like I feel like if it were a Democrat that had come out when they were 17 or 18 that had, you know, had fun in Rio, we wouldn't be having a conversation. So I didn't like it for whatever that's worth to you.
1: No, it's worth a lot. It means that I'm not the only one that sees it for what it was. So I I appreciate that. Of course. Thank you.
0: I've got to ask you about what's going on in Capitol Hill right now. <sighs> I'm really confused about the speaker I thought it was going to be Jim Jordan I had thought it was going to be Steve Scalise for listeners that maybe don't understand what's going on Kevin McCarthy was basically ousted by Matt Gates and eight people correct
1: Matt plus seven so eight total yeah
0: eight total and now we're looking for a speaker and as you understand because you're very concerned about what's going on in the Middle East it doesn't look good that we don't have leadership how do you feel in this moment
1: it's embarrassing. What's going on right now Matt's a great friend I I, I love Matt Gaetz We disagree on stuff I disagree with him On on vacating McCarthy You did disagree Oh, totally, Oh totally And I've gone on the record Multiple times Look Kevin McCarthy Did as best As any speaker could do With this group and I think now it's proven to everybody how hard it is to do what he was doing mm-hmm. and still managing to legislate and do what he was doing.
0: <laughs> One of my friends sent me that meme from The Hangover where um Bradley Cooper's like, We fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> and that's like I think a lot of it is
1: circulating in there, right it is. now. Oh yeah, totally. But I
0: feel like that's how our people feel. I didn't understand it. I never found Kevin McCarthy as like offensive as so many people did. I was like, I think he's trying to do the best he can in a really tough time
1: I look I think he and was, you
0: voted for him initially right
1: 15 times I voted you for voted for him 15 <laughs> times I voted oh for God. him 15 <laughs> consecutive times I did not change my vote once okay. and the way I look at it is I think it was a mistake but that's over that's water under the bridge I'm not going to litigate the past here I've made it very clear when Steve Scalise won that I had and Steve Z Honorable man, a great legislator, good conservative. I struggle when somebody is in a role of leadership, Megan, between you and I and your audience. I think we can all agree leadership means everybody, not just some. As somebody who has had the carpet and world pulled out from under me – I have not gotten the leader of my conference to call me back or answer a single text message since I've gotten here.
0: Dave Scalise never called yes. you back.
1: Yes. So that's why when Speaker McCarthy... That surprises me, actually. No, it's very surprising, right? Mm-hmm. So Speaker McCarthy was fantastic with me. I mean, he, he wanted to know what was going on. He he wanted to know what was next. He There was conversation, negotiations for, thing, for things for my district. A, a, what a speaker should be doing, right? With every single member. Now, when the case with Scalise, I mean, he's the conference leader, the majority leader. I've never gotten him to text me back, call me back. And I requested multiple times. So at that point, I felt like he lacked leadership. And that's why I was stirred on saying I am anybody but Steve Scalise. Because if I can't get him to answer me as majority leader, God forbid, when he's speaker, that means I can't talk to him. That means nothing gets done for the people of NY3.
0: And his staff didn't either? No. Okay.
1: Zero. Do you like Jim Jordan? I like Jim. Jim's a great conservative, has been in contact with me ever since the day I've gotten here, has always checked in leader qualities. You know, he is a leader in the party. He's a chair of two powerful committees. So I do like him. His brand of conservatism is what we all aspire to have. But... I see how it's problematic for some of my colleagues. I'm comfortable with him being unapologetically a dog with a bone about getting to the bottom of everything. And people are starting they talk. Oh, he voted against this. He voted against that. Look. It's really easy to be a naysayer when you're not in leadership. When you're Mm -hmm. in leadership, everybody changes their tune. I mean, look at Thomas Massey. Mm -hmm. Look at how far Thomas Massey has come from voting no on absolutely everything to voting for spending bills. So uh, people are are comparing apples to oranges on this one. Jim Jordan is not going to vote down to refund the 9-11 first responders fund. He's not going to vote down to give resources for flood or for emergency resources. He's made that very abundantly clear. The people trying to to be penny ante on those issues, they just want something to talk about because this is an opportunity, guess what? To elevate your profile. This town is theater.
0: Do you agree though? Because you said Matt Gates is your friend, because I have found him just like a total show pony and not very serious about again. I didn't find his argument about Kevin McCarthy compelling. I just thought it was about him wanting to be destructive and sort of wanting to be an agent of chaos and not about what's good for the party. You're his friend and you liked Kevin McCarthy. Did you have any tough conversation? I
1: did. I told him that he was being premeditated. I said, Matt, your argument will be valid in 45 days if everything you're saying happens. But right now it's tough for me to back you. And he's my friend. And we had this debate. He's like, oh, you're you're not seeing the bigger picture. And that's fine. Maybe I'm not. Maybe I didn't understand it. But uh, I don't think he's an agent of chaos. I think he in his own right does what he believes is right. And I I don't know what we all have a, what we believe is right within inside of us and how we represent our constituents best. Right. And I'm not going to ding him for standing up to what he believes in, because then, you know, then I'm not. I'm not a good friend and I'm not a good conservative because I'm I'm anti-diversity of thought, right? What he did, I think he made peace with it and seven other people made peace with it too.
0: But when you see someone like Nancy Mace going in with like a Scarlet A on her shirt and two – She's an
1: agent of chaos. If you okay. want to talk about an agent <laughs> okay. of chaos, here's somebody that McCarthy campaigned for hard, mm-hmm. gave hundreds of thousands of dollars to, you, helped raise millions of dollars to win and – The last bill McCarthy passed on the House floor was her namesake bill. Mm -hmm. It was her bill named after her because she's an egomaniac. I mean, she writes bills with her name on it.
0: I don't understand. Again, like, the game has changed in the sense that, like, we're in different media circles. You went viral for, like, people coming at you in the hall. But she's wearing a scarlet letter for people who don't know. It was like a tank top with an A, like the book, The Scarlet Letter. I just thought it was... Ridiculous. and it's terrible. And so that's, I think, what turns people off from a lot of people in politics, too, when it looks like it's more about you getting clicks and media attention than –
1: Look, this place is theater, like I said, right? And everybody here is for theater. Here's what I learned from a very good colleague of mine. People in D.C. will hurt someone a whole lot so they can benefit a little bit. Mm-hmm. And that's just gross. Mm-hmm. I, I don't I don't I'm not with that. I don't believe in, in stabbing people in the back. Look, I can sit here and I can start divulging all these other things I, I that people have done to me. And I don't do it out of a courtesy. B, I don't wish what happened to me in the beginning of this year and continuously happens on my worst enemy.
0: So I need to ask you. And again, I answer what you're comfortable with.
1: Of course. Yeah, no, go ahead.
0: There's so many accusations against you right now. And there are quite a few people. I believe the representatives Daniel Goldman and Richie Torres filed an official complaint with the White House Ethics Committee. You were indicted on May 10th of 13 federal charges, including wire fraud, money laundering, theft of public funds and lying to Congress. You're pleading not guilty. Do you have anything you want to say about any of that? I think
1: I've said it very clearly. I, I have a right to defend myself and I will fight to defend myself. The one thing I've said is I've been dealt a really raw deal of being inexperienced and going to work with some of the worst people there is in politics in New York. Do State. you
0: think you just had like career politician staff, people who led you the wrong way?
1: Part of that. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I, I look uh, and and we'll I guess we'll all see as I defend myself through this. But it's just so hard to, to talk. Right. But it's so not you probably who I legally am. can't. Yeah. Legally, it's uh-huh. hard to talk around any of this, especially because it's an ongoing case. But it's like I haven't been given a fair shake from day one. Now I know that. I didn't know that beforehand. I I didn't. And now I know.
0: What's your biggest regret?
1: Hiring some of the people that I hired, trusting people that I didn't know, but just because, oh, it works for this one or works for that one. And it's done. They've done this job for years. Clearly, I mean, I think it matters to know who you're hiring.
0: Some of the things you're accused of lying about are pretty intense. Like your mother was in 9/11. And you never they, said that. You never said that. Okay. No,
1: that that that's spun off of absolute control of Twitter world.
0: Are there is there anything you lied about that you regret?
1: Uh, graduating college, I've I've always said that that was an insecurity. Look, I enrolled in college, did, I think some two semesters uh, and a half, and then I couldn't afford it. My life wasn't easy, right?
0: Sure. What did your parents do for a living?
1: My mother worked when she first came to this country she worked as uh, she was on a farm and she did all sorts of work and then she did she got an education she worked in secretary roles she worked in office like corporate jobs nothing mm-hmm. nothing astronomical my dad's a painter and i've said this my whole life my dad's a painter since he came to this country in like 19- ho- like artist house painter, painter. no house- no like no construction okay. hard labor my dad's a union worker dc9 local 200 in okay. new york city i'm a pro-union Republican and and I'm very staunchly pro-union with all these unions striking right now I stand with the unions I oh, really every single one every single one okay. I even stood up for the guild
0: <laughs> it, who now won't come out with a statement about Israel by the way
1: yeah which is very very disappointing mm-hmm. but here's what I'll say is I stand with union workers because they're the little guys. And the corporations are the big guys and I'm from that mentality and excuse my language, fuck the big guy. Mm-hmm. Right? Because the big guys are always just getting richer and richer as the little guys work like worker ants to make them richer.
0: You're running for re election right now. Uh, yes, right? I am. Is it hard running for re election with all these challenges? It's terrible.
1: I'd rather be a Liz Cheney. Mm-hmm. I have far more respect for her. She faced her music, she got obliterated and I helped her opponent obliterate her out of the Did, water. But is
0: it because you're pro Trump?
1: It's not because I'm pro-Trump. I think Liz Cheney turned her back on the party.
0: OK. And it, What would you say to someone who said that Trump turned his back on the party after January 6th?
1: Look, uh, it's, it's so personal for me because I know so many people involved in January 6th that were unjustly involved. I mean, I came to the speech at the Ellipse. I never went to the Capitol because it's not my thing to, like, go rally. And I don't believe – I get really dicey. It's dicey when you're like in a federal building. I'm like, I don't think it's a good idea. Yeah. <laughs> Fair. So I went right back to my hotel room and I watched it on TV in horror. I was actually one of the first public people to go on Twitter and say, What happened today is a very dark day. Okay. I mean, I didn't agree with it. Like, if you're breaking windows and bashing doors and climbing scaffolding it's hideous you're gonna go to jail yeah but there are people who i've seen that are going to jail and getting sentenced heavy sentences that were standing in the lawn or went past the barricade and were taking videos and might have said something stupid but never even entered the capitol building
0: and i'm like uh do you and you know those like i don't personally know
1: personally you just know their stories i I know their stories Mm -hmm. i've met their stories throughout
0: have you met President Trump?
1: I've been in the same room as President Trump a couple of times, but uh, did he uh, say
0: hi to you? Yeah, he did on
1: uh, two different occasions. But I mean, I I've I supported the president since mm-hmm. 2015, so I was a big Chris Christie guy. Chris you Christie, were. Chris, 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 I love Chris <laughs> Christie. I mean, even now, now I his campaign is constructed on hate, and I don't think anything constructed on hate is good. So it's 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 so challenging to see because remember, I'm from New York. So for me, he was the closest thing as a Republican leader we had for many years. So I was a big Chris Christie fan. In 15, when he announced I supported him, then Trump came down those escalators at Trump Tower. I'm like, oh, sorry, Chris. It's going to be even more interesting. <laughs> what do you like
0: about Trump? Because, you know, I don't, I obviously don't like him at all. And that's
1: totally fine. And I agree with you on a lot of things you've said in the past, but his policies is undeniably some of the best conservative policies we've seen. We all did better under his presidency. At least financially speaking.
0: I think the hard part for me is because there are some obviously his stance on Israel was wonderful. And there are policy things that, of course, I can admit that we're good, like you said. But he is also an agent of chaos. And, you know, for me, he made me. so. And I'm I have many. Some problems, say I'm so. an
1: agent of chaos. <laughs> Yesterday, well, TMZ asked me, "What do you think about all the drama?" I said, "I'm the drama, That's darling." What you <laughs> <said>? <laughs> Oh my gosh, did you do that? Like, am I the
0: drama? You know that thing no, where it's like, am I yes. the drama? I'm the drama. No, I always I, say that about I myself. Went
1: to him, I go like. Well, I'm the, dar- I'm the drama, Charlie. <laughs>
0: is that on TMZ? I yet? think
1: so. He recorded it. I was joking with him. Like, yeah. look, you can't take TMZ serious. Right? Yeah, yeah. But, um, They've
0: actually had really amazing coverage on Israel, which is so funny. It's crazy. TMZ and Playboy, which is so funny. So what would you say to someone who's listening who doesn't like Biden, doesn't like Trump? Is there any other candidate you can see other than Trump that you would support to be president or no?
1: Look, I've said right now, let's just in a world where Trump's not in the mix, I look at it this way. Nikki Haley has done a great job on these debate stages, and she's the only one that's memorable. I think Vivek's a smart guy, but his foreign I policy is garbage. I hate. He has so terrible back. foreign policy.
0: I hate terrible foreign. It's so like back.
1: it's 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 like <laughs> Trump but without a zero ounce of understanding of how foreign policy works. Totally he's a agree. smart guy. Don't get me wrong. I mean, totally agree. like totally think he's he's highbrow, good IQ and whatnot. I just don't know that he understands that the presidency deals with a lot of But you like issues. Nikki Haley? I like Nikki. I think okay. she's I think she's well put together. She knows what she's talking about. And, and I agree with her on a lot of the stances. And by the way, she is peddling a lot of Trump era policies because she's from that administration. So it's not like it's different there. And I see a world where I think the ticket will be a Trump-Haley. Uh, Do you
0: like DeSantis?
1: I think he's a fantastic governor. I think we can all agree the worst ever run presidential campaign I've ever seen
0: I think he's doing a little better recently with Israel uh, no so what, about okay. that,
1: what about that homophobic video he did he put a
0: homophobic video it, out? it was a
1: video of him saying oh yes the, I
0: did remember I, that that was yeah. so bad I and, mean he and, made Trump look reasonable and moderate can and you imagine unenforced errors there's no need yeah. to put something like that out for no- when you see something like that does it you know because you're
1: his campaign is run by a bunch of agents of chaos in the political sphere um okay. a lot of them who are who I have friendly relationships with but I don't think he understands he's not going to win a presidential campaign in a meme warfare that's what DeSantis has engaged in and I said this is not how you win elections that's why his support keeps dropping and you see guys like Haley and Vivek rising because they're talking about what the American people want to hear <laughs> here's DeSantis running meme warfare against Donald Trump it hasn't Silly.
0: been the best no. run campaign he's a
1: great governor though yeah yeah he should have stayed there and waited until maybe 2028 20, where he would build up more I guess anticipation to that run but
0: he and Haley are my candidates for whatever that's worth I I like both of them a lot. I I would I would take almost anyone except Trump. No offense, because I know you're a big supporter. Because I have have time with him.
1: (laughs) I live in a world where I hope that one day we can mend that fence. I really and I think we have like a
0: blood feud that's so deep and so long. And by the way, if he hadn't done that and had been able to control himself, there is actual data that shows people in Arizona did not vote for him because of the way he treated my family and Carrie Lake as well, who's a ran for governor and I think running for Senate again. So that's the part I don't understand is when he gets nasty and you're, you know, you're someone saying like, I'm not going to disrespect people. I have things I could say, but I'm not going to. So I just think it's immature, and I think it's such a missed opportunity.
1: I think we need to walk away from the personality issues, and we need to walk into what we really need right now, which is we need consistency in in, in, in governing. And we're lacking that in every level of government right now.
0: Can I ask you about age limits? Because this is something that has become more important to me, obviously, with President Biden seeming to have some kind of – I'm not a doctor – some kind of issues with being older. He's, he's aging. Yes.
1: And there's nothing wrong with that. But should Mitch we be- McConnell
0: – diane feinstein like you said passing an office and i was extremely uncomfortable with the way she looked and was sort of like wheeled out into congress
1: nancy pelosi and her family did that though and i'm not saying this as Uh rhetoric here diane feinstein should have been afforded the decency and humanity to go retire and be home with her family she wasn't doing well we all knew that
0: and she died like right after she voted
1: she voted that's not how you want to die I assume.
0: Absolutely after not. voting the, right
1: look if I were ever in this body although I've taken a pledge for term limits so if, if even if given the opportunity to run and and win again I won't serve more than three terms I have no okay. intention okay. I have no intention and you're of young giving, right I'm 35 years old if if I were given the opportunity to run, Two more times and win those two times, I'd be done. Do you
0: think you'll win? I don't know,
1: but I think I can win my primary. Okay, <laughs> there's okay. nine people in it, so I mean, you know how those things work politically. The data is there, but uh, the general—I I didn't know I was going to win the general last time around. It's—it's it's, you, you just really got to know if. That's that's your evaluation. You know your report card evaluation is up every 2 years.
0: If you weren't in politics, what would you want to do?
1: I would just stay doing what I was doing before. Like I worked in the private equity sector. I was very happy doing it. I I like deals. I like building like deals. Like finance. Yeah, like mm-hmm. that's that's really my passion. I'm really well versed in it. I can I can talk business deals all day long they're fun I find fun in where people think it's mundane and boring and doing the research and the reports and putting the the percentage together and putting the deals together and getting you know your ROIs and IRRs all put together I love doing that stuff it's fun
0: you have two staffers here who have been with you since you said the beginning yep has it how has it been for them when people say things like you're a con artist, you're, you know, a liar, all these things? Has it been hard for like your press secretary to defend you? What has it been like for your team?
1: I'll say this, my team, they've stood by me, especially the ones who've been with me the longest, they know me. They know that a lot of that's written out there is just very deceitful, sensationalized reporting. They're just building a narrative. I mean, look.
0: Do you think you can repair it?
1: I think I can. I think mm-hmm. I can just based on the work that I'm doing and how I stay in touch with the American people and with my constituents. I, I don't run away from them. I, I Look, I welcome my critics into my office. I, I pick up phones. I make phone calls. I think it's a matter of work and the work will tell. Now, if I can't repair it, that's fine. And if my constituents choose to not elect me, that is their that is their duty. I will accept that just like Liz Cheney did. So who's that's your, how I usually compare it.
0: Who's your favorite drag queen?
1: <laughs> I think I, I would say RuPaul just because RuPaul. Oh, well, uh, I can't. I mean, the, the, the innuendos that we get out there, you better work and stuff uh-huh. like that. I, I, I use that, that Yeah, yeah. I, that, great song, by the way. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, I've
0: run a lot of game men, <laughs> There <you go. laughs>
1: So yeah, like, totally RuPaul is a great, great artist out there.
0: Lines Trixie Mattel or Adore Delano. So here's the deal. Worth.
1: um Trixie Mattel and I had a thing. Like You did? We we went at each other's throats on Twitter. It I didn't was, know I, that. So she said something along the lines of um I can't remember what it was, but my comeback goes like, it's okay. I know. I also beat the fan favorite.
0: <laughs> oh. oh my god. So that, did she answer?
1: She said something, but it wasn't. I mean It
0: didn't get the punch. It, that, no, I, I got
1: the like the fan favorite was a Democrat in my race, right? The fan favorite in hers was Shangela. so we, we,
0: we You're really good on social media you did something about the fire alarm being pulled, <laughs> which I still can't believe somebody pulled a fire alarm to try not to get to a vote how do you do like are you just like sort of impulsive and you I'm like impulsive. I'm gonna do okay yeah
1: the, these things just I, I don't rehearse any of it I think that's why it's so organic I mean the fire alarm we were leaving the building it was actually Gabrielle was with me and we're leaving the <laughs> building I'm like oh my god I have an idea she's like what are you gonna do touch the fire alarm I'm like no I'm not gonna do it and if you watch the video as I lift a little lid up I look to the side and it's, there's a Capitol Police officer staring me down. Did they think
0: you were actually going to pull it? I,
1: I don't think so. But I looked just to make sure they understood. I was just lifting it to show.
0: <laughs> Please keep doing these things because they bring entertainment in like a nice way to so much that's so hard about politics right now.
1: I try to keep it light and bring levity to it. I'm serious. Look, I had a meeting yesterday with Association of Cardiologists right and and they come into my office and we're talking about policy and they always look like holy crap I didn't I didn't think you would understand the subject matter. I'm serious when we have to be serious but if there's a way I can make this body, have lighthearted moments, I will always because I'm goofy. I am Uh a goofy goofy person. (laughs) Me too. I will say goofy things. I will say off-color goofy things. Not mean, but off-color for sure. Laced in curse words (laughs) sometimes. But just really to bring levity to it. It's such a stressful time we're living in. The world's such a you know, we're in the
0: apocalypse.
1: It, it's, it's pretty bad.
0: One of the questions my friend had was you are, there was like a rumor you expanded your restraining order so you could go to Tyson's Galleria. Is that true? That's a shopping area, which is beautiful. Wonderful. I, I shop at I do at go Tyson. to Tyson's. I <laughs> do too. I shop at Tyson's. It's like the best one, right? And DC shopping's only okay. So that's not true.
1: Uh, no, look. So when they did that, it was like rushed. There's a lot of meetings we take outside of, like, the confinements of D.C., so that required me to be constantly phoning and, like, I am leaving your – and they're like, okay, this isn't working. This was hasty. Even the government agreed it was bad. They're like, Uh oh, yeah, we didn't think about this through. So we all came to a friendly agreement that expanding it made sense, right? So just so it it could avoid – So it wasn't
0: about – I getting mean, looks. No,
1: because I, I could go to Tyson's Corner Regards. Okay. I'd say I'm going shopping, <laughs> which I did do, by the way. <laughs> I'm going to go to a restaurant in Georgia. I have no issue doing any of that. But it's very uncomfortable, obviously, having this released supervision. But I'm 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 okay with it. It's part of the process. I think, you know, I all I ask every time is, please allow me to have my due process. Please allow mm-hmm. me to have the same rights that every American is given. And Allow me my innocence until proven guilty.
0: Well, can I say something? I, I know there's very serious allegations against you and I I've followed the whole thing. But when I see someone like Bob Menendez, who's kind of getting a pass from a lot of Democrats, who's accused of being a literal double agent for Egypt and had Gold bars of gold in his house and money I didn't get bribes
1: and gold bars. That was my mistake. <laughs> but, like,
0: apparently, hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars, literally four hundred
1: and eighty thousand. But like
0: for people that don't understand, like cash, yeah, in his home. And again, get, trading. I assume. Gov- I, I assume from the charges, government secrets. And there's a lot of Democrats who are not calling him for to resign. Who think that I guess it's okay. What I thought was the cheapest thing he did was he was like, as a Latino, you have to understand that we're in fight or flight mode, and that's why I have gold bars and four hundred and eighty is always eighty thousand dollars.
1: As a Latino, I can say that's bullshit. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but when you see that kind of coverage, where he's really kind of get, I've been shocked at much of a pass he's getting. I mean, I don't always love John Fetterman, but I was glad John Fetterman called for him to step down.
1: Crazy, right? When uh-huh. John Fetterman and I were look, I did say the following. I don't think he should be expelled. I think he is entitled to due process, much in the same fashion I am. I do think he should be removed from committee, specifically the fact that what he's accused of is tied to his committee assignment, which is foreign affairs. Him stepping down as chair doesn't take away access from Classified briefings like the one he had yesterday on Israel. So I do believe he should do the right thing and recuse himself from committees as I did until everything is cleared up, and then he can resume. and And look, Bob Menendez has beat the DOJ before. I know, but good lord. I mean, hey,
0: what is your like biggest passion? Of, of an issue like on any company you, you mentioned water yeah clean water what what is like the issue that really gets you up and moving in the morning
1: the number one thing for me that i get up every day is we need to fix our finances 33 trillion in debt and growing is destroying this country for your kids for the kids that i think of having and for every child we look at in the streets We have a moral obligation to leave this country better off to the next generation. And we're not doing that. So that is definitely that that pushes me. I look at my niece and I'm like, you're not going to have the same opportunities I had. You're not going to have anything I had if we don't fix this. We need to stop the crazy spending, Megan. It's it's it's. It, it, oh, it's I, petrifying. I cry to sleep at night on that t- topic because I've sat down sometimes and I'm like, all right, let's write this all up and see how we can fix it. And I'm like, oh, my God, so many dead ends. Because if you go here, you're cutting this. If you go there, you're cutting that. In. Yeah. We take in $5 trillion and we're spending $7 trillion a year. We need to at least spend 5 We need to figure <laughs> out to at least break even. But that wouldn't do much for the $33 trillion, right? Because interest is accrued on that. And that's why I'm also super against closing down the government because that messes with our credit rating, which then spikes up our interest rates. What's your
0: pitch to someone because I'm sure you've seen the data. We're losing young people at like historic levels, Republican Party and conservatives. What's your pitch to like a young person who thinks that there's no place for them in the party and that, you know, I'm sure you've seen all this stuff recently where so many young people are pro-Palestine and I just feel like we're constantly losing the culture war.
1: We lose the culture war because we don't know how to engage in the culture war. We lose the culture war because the people in the forefront of the culture war are from two generations ago. And I'm not a dig on age. I'm not an ageist person, right? I know that there's like we said earlier, a concern on the age of a president, for instance. I don't know how we could ever get to a, a limit. I think it would be discriminatory at very best, but we definitely should consider some level of cognitive tests. I, I don't know. Maybe sure. if that would be acceptable. But as far as Youth goes. We fail because we're not there like the Democrats are. They're there in inception. They're there in schools. Their teachers are activists. I mean, we don't. I have... just
0: saw a video today in San Francisco of high school students um, screaming from the from the river to the sea in the halls of a high school. I mean.
1: But what do you think that is? That's because the teachers are teaching them that. Right. We don't have enough conservative teachers. And the ones we did have, they all left because of the vaccine mandates. Mm -hmm. So just think about all of that, too. Right. So I think that what we need to do is we need to get younger people that are more relatable, you know, to to come into the fold. I have a very young staff. And most of us Yeah, do. she looks young. Yeah, well, 20, 25 or 26, right? We need to have more folks like that engaged in this process so they can see from the inside what it looks like, right? She's great at communicating with folks.
0: Where did you meet them?
1: So Gabrielle, I met um, back home on Long Island. I met her parents first. and mm-hmm. you know, they introduced me to her. I'm like, you're working for me. Okay. <laughs> I love her. She's, <laughs> she's she's like a sibling in, in some sorts. We argue. Okay. Uh, she argues her point. Of, she's like, no, this is tone death. I'm like uh, okay. She's, and
0: for people that don't know, she's your press secretary. My communications,
1: communications director, yeah. Director, excuse me. A- and then I have Vish, who's been with me since the beginning here in D.C., but I've known Vish now for a couple of years, too. He's somewhat of a, we call him a legend back in. in, in okay. New York. Oh, is he a legend? <laughs> he's a, Sorry, he's right over there. He's a, he's a fol- Legend. <laughs> <laughs> he's a folk personality in okay. New York City conservative realms. Uh, okay. So some might accuse him of being an agent of chaos. He is my agent of chaos. Okay. All right. <laughs> <laughs>
0: He's <left>. laughing. He well, I love loyal staff. I mean, you yeah. know, my I like some people work for my dad. I still know, like, oh, and are still awesome. close friends of. So it's great to have loyal people around. New York, I find like New York conservative politics. So I lived in New York for a long time. I lived in Manhattan. My condolences. To be, I know, okay. <laughs> I found some of the people like conservative New Yorkers to be, like, some of the most intense. Oh, they're intense. And I think it's because you're surrounded by liberals everywhere. So you they're, like, so loud and proud, like, yeah. I'm a conservative, yeah. I'm a Republican, yeah. whatever. So I, I just, I don't know if you ever went to any of those meetings, like, New York. I mean, it's a lot, right? In a good way, but... It's That's where lot. you find a lot of enthusiasm. <laughs> it's a lot
1: though. You get folks in New York City who feel oppressed from not having a voice. You get them in New York City acting more staunch Republicans and Kentucky conservatives than Alabama That's totally
0: my experience so too. Funny. And people, I'm sure they come up to you too. They're like, I'm a Republican and, like, I live in New York and I, I'm surrounded by these people. And it's like they feel like they can, I don't know.
1: Sounds like you hung out in the Upper East Side a lot.
0: <laughs> I was a West Village girl, but whatever. <laughs> is there anything else you want to say to people that, you know, this is a new audience at my podcast to listen to? Anything you want people to know? Any misconceptions you want people to, like, understand? Or just anything going forward? Because, like I said, I really think you're just such a compelling person in oh, politics. Oh, so thank
1: you. Thank you for having me. Thank you for giving thank- Honestly,
0: thank you for doing this. No, absolutely.
1: I never run from tough interviews or questions mm-hmm. or anything. Yeah, you
0: said that before, and I was like, oh, great.
1: <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, there's nothing too uncomfortable for me. I think uh, we we covered a lot, and we can always cover more, but I just ask people to stop judging me based on whatever narrative that they build in the media and just get to know me. Reach out. Call my office. I take those calls. My staff, they, they want to kill me, but I do take those calls, and I love taking them. I don't know if them.
0: I would take those calls respectfully I mean there's crazy people
1: everywhere that's fine okay I'm crazy <laughs>
0: okay. I mean there's just like I mean yesterday I had someone scream that I was like a war killer yesterday oh, so I'm whatever so sorry about that that's that okay it's not nearly as fun as TMC. but <laughs> I just really want to thank you congressman for coming thank on you for being me. so open thank you so thank much for you. having me you yeah. see
1: I'll do your show never will do the view
0: <laughs> I mean that is like the best thing ever I knew they would have asked you because you're like yeah it's a great figure in politics yeah. but um good <laughs> all <laughs> thank right you. thank you Thank you all so much for listening to our interview with Congressman George Santos. We've got great shows coming up in the next few weeks with really amazing guests. And, you know, we're in the middle of the apocalypse and we will still continue talking about all things related to what's going on in the world. And, of course, on my group chats. And with that, I am leaving the chat. Thanks for listening to this episode of Megan McCain has entered the chat brought to you by Teton Ridge. I am your host and executive producer, Megan McCain. Additional executive producers are Miranda Wilkins, Eric Spiegelman, and Wynne Weigel. Our supervising producer is Olivia Dikopoulos. Our senior guest producer is Kara Kaplan and associate producer, Austin Goodman.